0: And not as the scribes. Amen? Well, you may be seated. You may be seated. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> well, this is going to be our third sermon uh, in this series that we have entitled uh, Astonished at His Teaching. And so um, I just want you to say to say to you on this Father's Day, uh, men, I hope you take some things to heart that Jesus said to his disciples uh, at this point in time of his ministry. Uh, And it's important for you to understand uh, that at this point in time in Jesus' ministry, uh, the majority of his followers were men. Amen? Amen. 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 You know, at this point in time, there was no woman called. He called 12 men. And this message was primarily aimed at men. But because of who he was and what he was teaching and what he had been doing... He had a crowd of people follow him. So even in the midst of the crowd, men, you need to pay attention. And now, this being Father's Day, maybe men, we ought to go back and start reading from the beginning and put ourselves in what Jesus is speaking to a bunch of men. Women, I'm not excluding you at all because the word of God is for everybody. But but I want men to understand that you have a vital role to play in the kingdom of God. And if you don't do what you've been called to do, God will use whoever he wants to. Amen. And, and so when we see that they were astonished at Jesus' teaching, uh, the word st- astonished means to be struck with uh, amazement, to, 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 to throw into wonderment, to be shocked, confounded, or perplexed. And one definition means to cause to marvel. Our text scripture, we say, comes at the clothing of Jesus' powerful Sermon on the Mount. And the sermon was preached to his disciples, primarily, and and the multitude that followed him. And after he had done those various miracles. Now these uh, in the multitude were from all over the region. And so he was preaching to a mixed crowd. Some were on the fringe. Some were leaning toward him. Some were committed to following him, his 12 or his disciples. Now, in the sermon, Jesus sometimes uses poetic, metaphoric, and hyperbolic language To create a strong impression or to invoke strong feelings to make his point, thereby saying some things that astonished or amazed the people that were listening to him. Now, one of the hallmarks of the Sermon on the Mount is the way Jesus reinterpreted. And today we're gonna see him reinterpret or restate some of the key passages from the Mosaic Law. And by doing so, the sermon challenged uh, the proud and legalistic Pharisees of that day, the leaders of that day. He was challenging them and calling them to a higher level of righteousness. And so the sermon served as the standard with which his disciples should strive to live up to as we live for him in earth. And and on last week, you know, Jesus introduced this new level of righteousness where uh, many things that leads to sin and ill will toward other people, we found out it starts in our heart, starts in our mind. That's why the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, in the old law, the completed acts were judged as sin. But Jesus was telling them and telling us that committing the act in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, in your spirit, you are subject to God's judgment. So last week he addressed anger, adultery, and divorce. Don't have time to go back, but if you want to listen to that, You can just go on demand and see what he had to say about that. Now today, we begin in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to start with verse 33. And we see Jesus now teaching about vows. Somebody say vows. Say vows again. Men, say vows for me. See, in Jesus' day, vows were often made and oaths were taken. And although these things were serious, many of the religious leaders had invented legal maneuvers to get around keeping their vows. So Jesus told his followers not to use vows. In other words, he said, your word enough should be, should be enough. In other words, I remember back in the, in the old days when my grandfather used to always say, and some of you all have heard this, my word is mine. I don't need to write on the dotted line If I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And Jesus was trying to get his disciples to see that it's important, men, for our words to mean something. And and a vow cannot change a polluted character. I mean, we we see this happen all the time in marriages. We make some of the most precious and pretty vows you ever heard. But if the character of the person that you marry is not up to the vow. It don't make no difference what they say, you know. We go through the formality of all the ceremonial things to, to make marriage sacred, when it should be all we need to do is walk up and say, "I will stay with you for the rest of my life." That's all we need. Jesus said we don't need all the long ceremony. We don't need to, you know. You the sweetest thing I ever seen. Lies, you know. You da 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 da. Just just say, look, all I need to know is you are gonna stay with me for the rest of our lives. Can you imagine how simple a wedding ceremony would be? That's all we had to do, just cut down on a lot of all that excess language that don't really mean. So Jesus is trying to get his disciples to say, it's not about how often and how long and how what you say, it's what's in your heart. Do you really mean what you say? And if you really mean what you say, you don't need to swear by nothing. Now, in our court system, we take oath. Some people now affirm, but the only reason they have you do that is so they can hold you accountable. I mean, amen, because once you swear in, in front of a jury or in front of the judge and put your hand on the Bible, if you do that or they do that, then now they can hold you accountable and charge you with perjury. But if you're a Christian, perjury should never be in your mindset. Amen. Because when you get on the stand, you're going to tell the truth because that's who you represent. You are representing truth. So men, today I challenge you. You know, those of you who got children, don't lie to your children. Tell your children to, if you're going to do something, do it. Don't just sound like the daddy of the year and ain't living up to the dad of the year. Make your words mean something, and that's what Jesus was saying. Our words ought to mean something, and if our character and our words line up, then people can take us at our word, and we don't have to sign all these documents. But because we messed up up marriages, we don't messed up everything. You got to sign for everything now, and it's your signature that holds you accountable and not your... So brothers, those of you that are married, your wife ought to be able to depend on your word. You ain't got to swear by Jesus. You ain't got to swear by God. You ain't got to swear by nothing. Just be a man of character and do what you say you're going to do. So look what Jesus said. I'm in verse 33. He said, you have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say to you, do not make any vows. I'm changing some things. Don't say by heaven because heaven is God's throne. In other words, you know, in other words, these Pharisees and some of them were saying, you know, I'm going to swear by heaven. But what they was getting around is they didn't want to swear by God. So they put other things in the place of God in order to give themselves a way out if they broke their vow. Because it would be like, I really didn't break my vow to God. You know, I just swore by heaven. Or I swore by the temple. Or I swore by earth. And Jesus said, look, it don't take all that. You know, when we was little kids, we used to, you know, how many of y'all used to swear before God? You know, I don't know, that was just passed down. That was a generational thing in the hood. You know, you're going to do this, I swear for God. We didn't even know what we were doing. And when bit more going to keep what we were talking about. <laughs> I swear for God. You know, when I was a little boy, I think I told y'all this before. We didn't believe you unless you swore by your mama. I mean, we, God just went over our head. I swear by God all the time. But if someone said, I swear for God on my mama's grave, then you know you were good. You you know, chances are they're going to keep their word. But Jesus is saying, it shouldn't take all that. You shouldn't have to put your mama at risk. Putting her in the grave because you can't keep your... Verse 34, he says, But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. Do not say by earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by your head. You can't turn one hair white or black. So Major, he's saying, we can't swear by your head because your head is clean. We're going to swear by your beard. But he's saying, don't even swear by your own head. Because when it it comes down to it, you can't change the color of your hair. So why are you going to be swearing by things that you cannot control? And so what Jesus does, he simplifies this thing. In verse 37, he said, just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything that is beyond that is from the evil one. In other words, he said, once you start talking too much about what you're going to do, you're going to start lying. And lying come from the lies don't originate in heaven. They originate with the devil. So Jesus said, all we need to do, and I wish I could practice next time I marry somebody, say, look, don't, don't, let's not, let's cut out half of this. Just cut out, just cut out, you know, you know, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to do this, you know, do-da, that, do-da, that, do-da, that, do-da, do-da. You know, they even write their vows now, long stuff. They don't even want the preacher to make them up now. They, they write them. And sometimes I read some of that stuff they write, and I say, I know she can't believe this. I know. She, she can't be so shallow that she believes. He can't be so dense that he believes. Just listen to yourself sometimes when you're telling some folks some things you're gonna do. Just, just stop and say, Am I really going to do it? And Jesus said, Hey, why don't we just keep it simple, young fellas? Just say, Mom, I will do it. A mom, I won't do it. Then let mom put the consequences on you for saying you won't do it. But at least if you tell her you're gonna do it, Father, if you tell your children you're going to do something, don't make excuses. Just let your yes, I will, and your no, I won't stand on its own. So Jesus was calling them to a higher level of righteousness where he was saying, look, your character is not determined by all the words that you use. Your character is about you carrying out what you say. And if you're going to do what you say, you don't need a lot of words to do what you say. And so sometimes we try to impress people with the amount of words that we use when we say we're going to do certain things when people are looking just at our character. Your flowery language cannot cover up a character that don't keep his word. Men, believe it or not, your children know when you lie to them. Amen. Your wife know. When you lie to her, and so I stand here today to tell you, let your yes be yes and your no be no. and you don't have to lie. She just have to deal with your yes or your. And now if you feel like you need to justify it, then you do so. But ladies, let me give you this now, get a brother a break. If you think you' have married a man of integrity and he all that, don't make him justify his yes or his no. <laughs> just take the brother's no as he means no and he got a good reason for saying but now brothers, if your character is shaking then she probably gonna question <laughs> wait 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 I, 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 did, I So you got some work to do. You got some work to do. But Jesus was speaking to this crowd, and he was letting them know, hey, sometimes we can flower things up with words, but if our heart is not in the right place and we have no intention of doing it, we ought to just say that. We ought to just say that. You know, the world would be a whole lot better place if folks just wouldn't lie. You know, lying is one of the little sins that just creep in all the time. They just show up. You ain't got to call on them conjure them up, they just show up. Lying just show up. You know, we just lie unconsciously sometimes. We don't mean to, it's just in us. You know, you don't say, yes, I'm gonna do that, and you ain't thought about it. I ain't even put one thought to it. Folks you can finish up saying, you yeah, I'm gonna do that. Lying, <laughs> lying. You ain't even know what the whole project entails. You just um <laughs> So what I'm trying to tell you since lying is so prevalent in the society and even in the church, we need to be repenting. And then we need to let our yes be yes and our no. That's all Jesus was saying. Keep it simple. Don't overemphasize things with your words that your heart is not committed to. And I think most people can accept us for the truth instead of trying to deal with us for lying. Amen. Because, you know, the old people say, I can't find this in the Bible now, but i heard old folks say, if you lie, you'll steal. Granddad and them, you say, you know, you lie, you'll steal. And jessing on the attitude, girl, granddad and them say, you steal, you'll kill. I don't know if all that's true, but, but I, do, I do know the lying and stealing could be true. Done done both of them. Done stole some and then lied about it. <laughs> so, so it's a possibility that if you lie, you will steal. Now, I'm not talking about you're going to go and steal from a store, but you may be stealing in other areas of your life. So men, it's important for us to be men of character and to be men that that can speak the truth and that we be truthful and honest when we're dealing with our families, especially our children and our, our wives. Amen? Now next, Jesus talks about in verse 38 through 42, he teaches on revenge. Somebody say revenge. You know, when people hurt us, often the first reaction is we want to get them back. You know, and, and, and this thing that Jesus teaches about revenge is so deep and so, so, so spiritual that you can't do some of the things that Jesus say here if you ain't got the Holy Spirit on the inside. I mean, it is almost impossible for us to take what Jesus says next literally and think that we can do it. So let me put some disclaimers in here. Jesus is not telling you not to protect yourself and your family. If somebody breaks in your house and you got your nine mil, I suggest that if you want to save your children's life, if they're gonna kill you. It's up to you. If you're conscious, let you pull your gun out. That's what you got it for to protect your family. I don't think Jesus said you shouldn't shoot. Turn the other cheek and let them just, you know, kill your family. I don't think that's what he's intent here. But he's saying that there's a lot of things that come in our lives that ain't ain't is not of the magnitude of someone taking your life. It's just little simple things that people do. And what we want is to get revenge on them. The revenge law, the law of retribution, was put in place, really, to make the legal system fair. So back then, if someone stole something, the judge said, okay, you stole a cow, then you steal we give a cow back. It was done to do that. But what happened now was, is that the people started to abuse this, and then they started taking personal vendettas on just about anything. You, You know, and that's the same thing that, that we see with our young people when it comes to gangs. You know, it's retaliation. If you do something to somebody in my gang, I got to do something to somebody else. They can almost predict. The police know that, hey, if somebody got killed up here, it's gang-related, there's going to be a retaliation somewhere. Because that's the mindset. And so what I need to say, because a lot of our gangs are ran by young men, we need to try to get that retaliation mindset out of them. Let's deal with each other in another way instead of trying to have to kill one another to retaliate against one another. There's got to be a better way for us to have some dialogue and things like that. And so the thing here, men, I want you to see is that Jesus is trying to get us to see that we can't be motivated by revenge, by getting back at people. And, 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 and keep it in mind now, the setting that Jesus was preaching this to. He was preaching this to a bunch of people who were being oppressed by the Roman government. And so therefore, now he's telling these people, hey, look here, don't seek revenge. Don't look for revenge and everything. Don't let revenge be your motivation. Now, to them, that didn't make no sense at all. Because they're saying, we thought you was going to be the Messiah that was going to come and deliver us from the Romans, and here you are telling us if we, we are told to carry the guy's stuff, instead of taking it one mile, take it two. Somebody said, that don't make no sense. And so what I'm trying to get you to see is that when Jesus called us to a higher level of righteousness, some of the things that he tell us to do is not going to make sense to your natural man. Do so not look at this. I remember back, uh, you know, when we was in the world, they had songs that kind of egg us on. You know, I think Jane Brown was the big pay. You know, we used, to, we used to have that as a badge of honor, Brother David, the big pay back. I mean, you don't want to mess with me, because you mess with me, I'm going to pay you back. So we came up with that mindset. I remember in the hood when someone said, man, look, you, you may beat me today, but after you beat me, you're going to have to look over your shoulder because I'm going to steal you. That what you say in the hood. That means that we ain't going to fight you fair no more. We ain't going to fight you in your face. We're going to catch you coming out your house, walking down the street. When you're the least expected, I'm going to hit you in the head with a brick. Because whatever it takes, I'm going to get you back. And so can you imagine coming up with that attitude and then now you come in the kingdom of God and then Jesus tell us, hey, we got to tamper it down. You can't go off on everybody. You can't get everybody back to the same degree that they hurt you. You gotta learn how to forgive some people. That's what he's trying to teach me here. You gotta learn how to forgive something and move on. But if you don't have that spirit in you where you can forgive and move on, then you'll harbor these things in your heart. And then revenge will be a motivator for you. Retaliation will be a motivator for you. Now, so when Jesus taught this, I'm sure this opened their eyes up very, very wide, start them to thinking, man, who is this guy? What is he really trying to tell us that we need to do? He says, now look at verse 38. He says, you have heard the law that says the punishment must match the crime or the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You can find all those in Leviticus 21, uh, Exodus 21, Leviticus 24, Deuteronomy 19, all address that scripture. So, so the law of retribution or retaliation was there so the judges could say, if you knock my tooth out, and then he can say, okay, then maybe you ought to give up your tooth so that you don't have to go out and try to kill him. Just we'll have him give up his tooth. But the thing was is that most of the time when we retaliate, we escalate. It, it gets higher. It don't stay at the same level. And, and what we got to see here is it, nothing wrong. Now, get, hear me clearly. Our legal system allows you to file charges against folks. If they done did you wrong, somebody do you wrong, you can file a charge. You can go take them to court. But sometimes someone may do you wrong, and the spirit may say, don't press charges. Everybody else is going to say, you're crazy. You better go on. You better press them. You better get the paper. You better, you know, you better, better get him a case. But sometimes the Spirit is going to say, hey, don't press charges. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to get us to see. Sometimes, Major, we don't need to press charges. If we can bounce back from the injury, then we don't need to press charges. And that not pressing charges, as Jesus' way of saying, turn the other cheek. So if you read this and sense in your spirit that, man, Jesus is causing me to be a wimp. Well, he's not really causing you to be a wimp because he had to turn the other cheek himself. When they were slapping on him, spitting on him, he turned the other cheek. Now I know you're not Jesus, but at the same time, you can't retaliate for every little petty thing somebody do to you. It just ain't worth it. Some of you, I, I bet you I, I can read some of your, your text threads and all that to see what you done said back to somebody else who done said something to you. When you should have just read it down to, I ain't talking to none of y'all, you know y'all in here today, Father's Day, Father. Y'all got it all together. I'm talking about some of y'all friends, y'all know, that y'all can share this with. Say, so, hey, look, man, it, it ain't worth answering. Don't even answer that one. Just let it go. But, man, he's challenging me. No, I mean, let it. That's in your mind. That's in your mind. He ain't challenging you. Them just words don't mean nothing. Let it. I probably should have saved them for Mother's Day because brothers knew to know how to let most things go. Oh Lord, I got into it. Let me go, let me go, let me go. Let me let me get Let me me put it this way. It has been my experience. This is Father's Day, okay. He said, now look. Verse 39. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. And if someone slap you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. Can you imagine what these people think? Is he in his right mind? Don't he know we've got the Romans here oppressing us? And he's telling us that when these guys say something else or do something else because we're under their rule, that we ought to just turn the other. You know because of how Martin Luther King interpreted some of these passages in the Bible he took that path of non violence resistance and for the other side to say I ain't, I ain't i ain't i ain't i ain't feeling that jesus message i ain't feeling that turn the other cheek i ain't feeling that you know believe we can get there another means you know they took other means and i'm trying to tell you if the other means you can't win you might as well use a way that you, at least you're going to live to keep fighting. Now, y'all young folk, do what you want to do. But I'm trying to tell you, everything that you try to do, you don't need to do it through violence or trying to get back at folk. Sometimes you just got to know how to be patient and use wisdom in situations. Learn the system that you're trying to defeat and figure out can you work within the system. And I know you know, I'm, uh, the Stokely Carmichael guys and the H. Rap Brown and all those folks. But I remember what happened when, you know, the government could do what they want to do to Black Panthers. Oh, yeah. You know, just bust in on them and just shoot them. While the black Brother J.P. said, why they in there? Bad. Now, I'm not saying that the government was right, But what I'm trying to say is I believe some of those Panthers may have lived a little bit longer if they took another path instead of retaliation. And to sometimes the young people, they don't want to believe that, don't want to see that, but I got to believe that Jesus knew what he's talking about. It may not make sense to me. Everything within my being may want to go against what he's saying, but right now he's saying, look, you're going to have to learn how to surrender yourself in certain situations and not try to retaliate against everything that happened to you. Turn the other cheek. Offer the other cheek. Look at this. Somebody said, if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too.'" Agents say that, that, that don't make no sense. <laughs> the dude is suing me in court. And then now he wants my shirt. Jesus said, look, you owe him the shirt because obviously he went in the case. So since he went in the case, just go and give him your coat too. Now giving up your coat in that time was a big deal because everybody owned coats. Normally people who had coats had tailors that could make them for them, and they could make it, and it was expensive. And so coats will sometimes be used for many different things. You could even use your coat as a pledge for debt. And so he was really getting inside their heads here. He said, look, man, if they win the case and and they want your shirt, then you got to understand I don't have a problem with you giving them your coat too. So he was trying to tell them that sometime you're going to have to place others above yourself. Because now he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the people that was going to follow him. And he said, hey, look, there's going to be situations that come up in your life where you're going to have to surrender your rights for the overall good of the gospel. So the gospel can be carried out and and, and can flourish. Sometimes you're going to have to surrender what you think is right for you to do and say, this is right because God want me to, to do it. Now, I'm no, uh, you know, I, I done been in court situation, too. I mean, I, so I ain't, I, I'm not standing up telling you, you know, I got an accident when the lawyer called me. I said, yeah, let's law you up. If that's what you want to do, that's what our law allow for us. But when it was time to law you up, I wasn't trying to be revengeful. I just wanted to get my car fixed. Get me another car. I'm happy. I wasn't going go to go to the chiropractor and to the surgeon for six years trying Trying to will, trying to win the case. I went in the lie when my back stopped hurting. I told the folks, my back ain't hurting no more. Lady said, Well, you know, you need to keep coming. I said, Why? Because you gotta build, you gotta get some more paper. The thicker your paperwork is, the better your case. I said, No, man, what what, what, what can we sell it for? He said, Well, they're gonna offer you just 25k. I said, that's good. My back ain't hurt no more. And I'm tired of going to these chiropractic appointments and seeing all these doctors and all they're getting, doing is getting money and they ain't doing nothing but just putting a little machine. One, two, three. See you next week. <laughs> crack, crack, crack. Sometime it ain't worth it if your motivation is just revenge and money. And so Jesus is trying to let us know sometimes you have to have your priorities so that you're not always trying to get something when you ought to be given something. Now look at this. This is how I know what he was talking about. He says this. If a soldier demands you to carry his gear for a mile, and the Roman soldiers had the rights to do that to Jewish citizens because they were oppressing them. So a soldier could walk up to you, Brother Wilson, and say, look, I'm going a mile down the road, he could legally oppress you and say, hey, now you're going to take my gear, my rucksack or whatever they carry around down the road. Now you one of them radical brothers going to say, man, look here, I ain't carrying nothing. I ain't carrying nothing. Look here, I'm going to give it to me, I'm going to throw it down. Stuck. Dead. When all you had to do was carry the rucksack one mile. But you going to argue with the system, and the soldier just stuck, dead. Pull out his, dead. The system was set up so that you would have to carry his rucksack a mile. Jesus came and said, Hey, that's the system, but I'm gonna tell you, carry it two miles. Brother Will said, look here, man, I ain't feeling this Jesus talk. <laughs> I don't want to carry it at all, but now you're going to tell me to carry it. Jesus is saying that, look, sometime, men in life, you're going to have to go the extra mile. You're going to have to go the extra mile for your family. You're going to have to go the extra mile by sacrificing some things that you want for the overall good of your family. Sometimes, instead of going one mile with your children, you're going to have to go five miles with them. You know, in the old culture, you know, I know when men, you know, did all the working and all that and women had to stay at home and try to take care of the kids. And then, you know, when the daddy come home, the woman that had all the issues with them all day long, daddy come in out of the cotton field, the mills, and whatever, he mad because he can't get on the man who was holding him down at the job and all that. And then now she say, look, your little children right here ran me crazy all day. And then she tell that to a man who's mad at the man. And he come in and beat down his when he really want to beat the, the man. So father, I'm telling you today, don't beat down your children when you're mad at the be willing to go the extra mile with your children. Put up with your children. That your children, their responsibility for being raised, for raising them, is not just their mothers. It's your responsibility to be there for your. And in our culture, look here. I know it's fathers, but look here, it, it's too many sperm donors out there, and calling themselves fathers. And even if that is your case, I want to give you a word of encouragement. Take care of your responsibility. Yeah, you got some baby mama drama, but most of the time the baby mama drama comes because you ain't paying the money to help little Johnny. Man, take care of your responsibility. Pay your bills, and then when she starts keeping all that drama, just put her on, ignore turn the other cheek. I done gave you what he needs. He got all he needs to go to school. She got all she need. I done did what I'm supposed to do. Now I'm just going to listen to you. Just go off and you going to let your blood pressure go up. I ain't got time for you. <laughs> but no, you want to retaliate. I done gave her that $200. Look what she done did. Look, man. Look. Jesus says it ain't worth it. Take care of your responsibility. Take care of your responsibility. And so what I want to do is say, encourage our men. Man, man, go the extra mile. Take care of your responsibility. Man, if if, if you got kids and you ain't married to their mama, take care. Get it right. Don't have your kids growing up hating you. All because you didn't keep in contact with them. Yeah, I know mama painted you to be a low-down, dirty scoundrel. I know she did. But if you were that big of a dog, she she must have been a flea or something that she jumped on you. I mean, I mean if she, if, she, if you I mean you if you just that I mean if you were just, just that bad, what attracted her to? You? So so how how do you paint a picture of somebody that you don't had a baby with like that to a child that you're influencing in the wrong? Jesus said, we got to go the extra mile, man. If we can go the extra mile for one another, we can cut down on. Now, I, I, I applaud nuclear families. One husband, wife, all the kids, pick a fence. I applaud that. But in our culture, unfortunately, you know, nuclear is not always there. And so what we got to do, fathers, we got to cut down on some of this drama by just paying child support, man. Do what you got to do. And then, if you want rights to see the child, then just go on and take it to court and get your rights. Follow your money. Follow your money. You earn it. When you pay the bill for him or her, you earn the right to see him. Follow your money. But don't make her have to take you to court. I'm talking to somebody online, and I ain't talking about it here today, but I'm just, because I know y'all know some folk like that. And you know, it, And we just listen to Jesus, man. Come on, tell some of our young people, you know, how many baby daddies do we need? I mean, if you're going learn from the first mistake. And this is something that we got to be real when we talk to our children about. Because if we don't be real and talk to them about it, they will go out and fall into some of the same traps our parents fell in. And the church got to talk about it. I know we've been in the past, oh, we we just don't want to talk about that, don't we? And the church, hey, look at here. The church is a microcosm of the world. Anything that is happening in the world to a smaller degree is happening in the So Jesus was trying to teach us this. He said, now, if a soldier demands you to carry his gear a mile, you carry it too. Then he goes on to say, now, I'm going to teach you about giving too. Give to those who ask and don't turn away those who want to borrow. So this let me know that borrowing is not a sin. And you know, you're blessed that you're able to let somebody lend, to lend to somebody. Amen. I'd rather be the lender in a day than the borrower. And and God did not have any problem with the Jews lending and borrowing because, you know, he set the system up that way. But what he had a problem with is when they would charge extraordinary amount of interest on it. So, So my thing to you, if you are blessed and you can finance some operation, don't let your interest rate be higher than the government and the bank. Pee-wee, you just charge them one or two percent instead of 20%. I mean, I mean, you got it like that. I mean, somebody asked me for something, I, and they say don't borrow it. I'm hoping I can just give me back what I gave you. I ain't, I ain't gonna even hold you to 5%. So he ain't got no problem. So some people think that, oh man, you know, being in debt is a sin. Well, if being in debt was a sin, then Jesus set us up right here when he said, live for. Because you're putting them in debt the minute you lend to them. The sin is when you're in debt and don't pay your debt. Amen. I told y'all this before. Every month, the credit union give me a grace period, 30 days. They don't mess with me. They don't call me rob me. you ask me about that $1,000. They just leave me alone for 30. But by the 29th day, I get a little notice. And say, hey, your payment is due tomorrow, Okay? If I got my payment, I ain't got no pressure. I just pay them, and for another third day, they leave me alone. I walk around, I'm debt-free for 29 days. I don't owe nobody <laughs> nothing. And I'm going to work and make sure that by the 28th day, I got another $1,000 to pay them. Because now, I don't want to have it where they got to come and look for me as a Christian, because I can't pay my bills that I ain't got myself into. Now look here, let me help some of y'all college students in college. Now what y'all need to be, you know, I'm so glad in a way for Juneteenth, but I could have did without Juneteenth. I mean, I I really can't feel it like that. I don't feel it like that. It's just another day to me, holiday. Word got late to Texas. Just hear me, don't don't y'all go too black on me right now. Oh, he done turned on us. But but I would have rather them paid off some of y'all college debt instead of giving y'all a holiday. I would have rather they say, hey, we're going to reduce your debt and I'll go to work for you on that day. But you're off one day and you still owe the government $30,000 in tuition. So he says, give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Man, if you got it and you can afford to give it to somebody just like he told them to give them your, his, their coat, then he just says, you got to help somebody. If you ain't got it, you ain't got it. Just tell them the truth. Hey, I don't have it. But if you got it, don't lie. It is better to say, I got it, but I just don't want to give it to you. Amen. Because most of the time when folk ask you, they know you got it. Let me move on to the last point that Jesus making. I'm almost done. And, and so you can see where this could be a challenging message talking to the audience that he was preaching to. And so it's, it's a challenging message anytime Jesus tells us to surrender ourselves to someone else. It's a challenging message when he tells us to turn the other cheek. It's a challenging message when he tells us to serve others before we serve ourselves sometimes. That's a challenging message. And that's why I said to you earlier, man, you can't do this without the help of the Holy Spirit. You need God's Spirit to help you because this go against our natural way of thinking, the way we've been brought up, the way we've been taught to think. So you got to say, God, I can't do any of these things that Jesus is telling me to do unless you help me with your Spirit. And I believe if you ask him to help you in these areas, man, he can help you. You ain't got to go off on everybody. I mean, he ain't talking about, you know, you, know, you physically getting slapped all the time. He's just talking about, you know, you, you can hold back that going off. Because they said something about you, you just got to retaliate. You ain't brothers. Let me tell you this here now. And I learned this lesson late in marriage. I wish somebody had told me this early. You don't need the last word. Sometimes. It's best to just be quiet, bite your lip, your tongue, and everything, and just let it. Sometimes you got to say, is it worth dying on this hill? <laughs> but Herb, you know, you know sometimes you just have to say, Lord, everything in me want to say something. <laughs> but Lord, I need your I just need to hold my peace. Lord, and you got to fight this battle for me. But, but most of the time, we get ahead of him, and we want the last word, and the last word never ends the conversation. All the last word does, Sister Robin, is escalate. Because she got another word. Took me some time to figure that out. Man, it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. So I used to ask myself a question. If Jesus was coming back next week, would this be an issue that I would still be discussing? And if the answer is no, I just let it. It ain't worth the argument, it ain't worth the confusion. Brothers, sometimes we just got to let it, go. let it go. By nature, and I hope I'm not being sexist, I don't, I don't think, but I think it's proven. By nature, women can out communicate us. I mean, they can out talk us. It, it's been proven that when they are little, they talk to dolls. They hold conversation with Bobby and Ken and play stuff and when they talk to each other, they talk in conversational language. When we're little, we say, bang, you dead. <laughs> Throw me the ball. You out. <laughs> you fouled me. And now we getting married to someone that can outcommunicate us. Because they've been communicating all their. So you're never gonna outword them. I'm just telling you. So now look at this. Let's go to my last part for the day. And this I talked about a couple couple weeks ago, less than than two months ago, when Jesus now talks about the law of love. So I'm going to be quick here. He says, you know, what he wants us to see is by loving and praying for our enemies that we prove that we have a relationship with God the way you love and the way you respond to people show that you have a relationship with God. And so Jesus was trying to tell his disciples, that, hey, when it comes to God's highest command, you're going to have to love at a whole nother level. Your love is going to have to exceed that of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all those religious leaders. You're going to have to love some people that they told you not to love. And so what I, I think most of you are familiar with this passage In uh, verse 43, it says, you have heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's an interpretation of Leviticus 19 and 18. And so what they really was teaching was nationalism. You love the Jews and people that's like you, but you don't have to love everybody else. So your neighbor is someone that's in your clan, your tribe your family your nationality that was they were saying but jesus said look we got to broaden this understanding of who God wants us to love because when it was asked you know who is my neighbor then jesus gave a whole parable just to show your neighbor could be that samaritan that you don't like and so therefore if that my neighbor is that samaritan that I don't like that means that I got to love that Samaritan, even though he is not of my nationality, even though he is not of my race, even though he's not of my ethnic group or whatever, we don't even like the same type of food, but I, gosh, I still got to See, the reason that America is so divided right now is there's no love there. And people are sitting down there, sitting up late, late at night Coming up with little issues that can divide the love so you won't love. And you got people who used to be friends with each other now won't even talk to each other over mass. Over mass, man. How simple can that Where is the love in all that? And now the church is divided over this critical race theory. And I'm saying, man, I don't know a lot about it, but I need to start reading up on it because the other churches are way out in front. Now, I didn't know that by me saying that my family was treated wrong as slaves, I ain't trying to make, you know, the slave owners, great-great-great-grandchildren feel guilty. I'm just stating the fact. I mean, they treated them folk wrong. They split the families up. The men got separated. They got beat down, got castrated. They treated them. And by me stating that truth, do that make little Janie over here feel like I'm... She got to feel bad because that's the truth? I don't know. Some people say her psyche can't handle that. That me saying my great-great-grandfather got beat down, maybe got hung, got lynched, got whatever. So now is that going to traumatize her by knowing that truth? I don't know. I guess that's up for another theory. But at least if we tell the truth about history, maybe we wouldn't have these arguments. Let's go and tell the truth, and the truth sets us free. But because of that, we see that when there's the absence of truth and there's the absence of love, then hate will come in the mix, man. And that's what is happening now in this nation. I see this new spirit of hate that is on the rise on both sides of this issue, and I don't see no love, and the sad thing about it is in the church. In the church. Churches are having to argue about critical race theory, Man. What is so difficult about that? Is it really that much to it? I got to do some research because I'm not there yet on that. But I do understand something. I understand that my forefather started off 40 yards behind. I got that picture. The race was 100 yards. And they started on the goal line. And everybody else was on the 40. And they said, when? Win. Well, some of us caught up and got to within 20 yards, but we still lost. But we was 20 yards closer. But some of us lost ground. And so unless something is done to level that playing field, somebody's going to always start off behind. Now on our side, those of us who made up the 20 yards and and finished at 80 yards when the race was over, you need to figure out how to reach back. And then those who haven't made it, that finished, the made up the ground. And I, I, you know, I have arrived. I got something. When you get it, you can't forget where you come from. And I believe if we would do some of those things like not getting, forgetting where we come from and keep love as a divine principle in everything that we do, I think the world would be a better Now, I know I'm just talking about issues that go a lot deeper than my little analogies. You know, but look here. I was born in 1953. Brother JP, I know you got stories that's far greater than mine. So when I talk to my young young people sometimes, I, you know, when they come up and talk about they got a hard, I ain't buying too many hard luck stories. I mean, I. Yeah. Man, when you were born, we had pampers. You ain't never, you ain't never washed no diaper for your children. You ain't never been no maid. You, you gotta. So I have a hard time when the younger generation tell me they got a heart because I guess my understanding of heart and their understanding of heart is two different things. Man, you crying about that. What you would have did, you know, we were crying about sitting on the back of the bus. Now you can sit on the front of the bus and you still cry. Oh, that's just that. See, that's that mentality in you. you just, no, I'm just saying. Sooner or later, we got to figure this thing out and do more than just talk about it. And so I do believe that we got to factor in love in all our decision making. Because if we don't factor in love in the decision-making process, then we're going to find ourselves hating our enemies. Let me read this, because Jesus said this, Pastor Bolden has said, but I, I, I can sense in my spirit that the generation I dare to say, see, he's talking like old Uncle Tom now. He sounds like Unc. He, 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 he just, yes, sir. I'm the wrong guy, I ain't that guy. I ain't no yes guy, but I am a logical guy and I think things through. But yes, my mama made me say yes sir to the guy at the cash register that was younger than me. And she said, you have to say yes sir to him. I didn't understand why, but I did. Because mama said, do it. Was she trying to teach me a lesson? I don't know. Maybe that was just the time that we were living in. But with that in my heart, I grew up thinking, why I got to say yes, sir, to that little white kid and I'm older? Than him. All because his dad owned the store, and he worked in the cash register. My mama made me say, yes, sir. And that's in my head. So right then, I'm probably warped a little bit to think that I'm less than. But when I write, read the Bible and found the truth, all them teaching that mama had me doing, they don't impact me now. So I don't feel inferior even though there are people out there that are saying that you are. If you know who you are, people can't define you. But if you know who you are, you define yourself. So we can't get upset because people are going to define us. I'm going to be defined the way God defined me. And so long as I know who I am in the Lord, then I can love some haters. Oh, let me read this. I'm, I got to finish, man. Look at it. <laughs> he said this. You have heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies." You're saying this to a bunch of people whose enemy is the Roman government, and you telling me we got to love our enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Jesus, you must be out your mind. You mean I should have prayed for all the stuff that I saw coming up in the 50s in Montgomery, Alabama, and praying? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm not innocent of all things. When Martin Luther King got assassinated, man, that upset me. Now, we was angry. I wasn't about 11, 12 years old. But guess what we did? Nobody inspired us or did anything like that. My little neighborhood, wasn't about five or six of us bad boys. We were pretty bad little fellas now. But we all went and got us some bricks. They didn't plant the bricks over there for us or nothing like that. We went and found the bricks. And we stood around these bushes on this main street that come through our neighborhood. And we just brick cars as they passed by. Just bricked them. Bam. Bam. Now, as I got older, I thought, we never made identification of who car we was hitting. We assumed we was hitting white folk cars but it probably was some black folk car that got hit in our anger. And I look back at that and say, maybe I shouldn't have thrown that brick unless I was going to be bold enough to go and find the white guy and hit his car, not stand behind the bushes. So as I get older, I look back and say, that was a dumb move on my part. But nobody incited us. That's just something we did in the hood. Maybe we was looking at TV that night and saw what happened in Detroit and Chicago and all the places. Well, we got to do something here in little old Montgomery on 430 South Bainwood Street. We got to do something. We got to represent. (laughs) But we did that. And I look back at that and say, maybe that was just childishness, anger, whatever. But was it right? Probably not. Not in what Jesus just uh, just read this. But see, at that time I ain't know Jesus. I didn't know that was in the Bible. So sometimes when we try to do what Jesus wants us to do, we're going to have to put ourselves to the side. And we're going to have to do what's right based upon what he said, not what we think. Let me go and finish this. He says, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. The way you act determines who you belong to. You know, when we were little kids, there were certain ways y'all want y'all kids to act because they represent you. And so therefore there were certain things we did. My granddaddy told us, "Yeah, look here, you better not go out there and do that because if you do, you're going to give us a bad name. You represent me when you're out there in the streets. So because I knew who I was, rep- who I was representing, it was certain things that I was not going to do because I know granddaddy was not going to take no tea. For the fever. He don't play it, so I ain't gonna do it. So Jesus said, look, we gotta know who we represent, who we belong to. He says, In that way you are acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight both to the evil and the good. And he sends his reign on the just and the unjust. God loves everybody, he don't discriminate. And so therefore, he expects us to love everybody too, even though we may not like what they're doing. We still got to show them love. He said, now look, you ain't doing nothing big if you only love those who love you. What reward is there for that? Even the corrupt tax collectors do that much. They can love each other, but I'm expecting you to love at a whole nother level. I'm expecting you to love some folks that don't like you and don't, and hate you. You still got to show them If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. Folks don't know God. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So as I told you before, Jesus is saying that we got to perfect and grow up in this area of love. If we can grow up and perfect love, fathers, our families will be a whole lot better. Our wives will be a whole lot happier if we can just grow up and perfect this thing called love, where we love our family, where we love our wives like Christ loved the church, meaning that you're willing to sacrifice and do whatever it takes to make sure that your children and your wife needs are met. Yes, I know there are women out there now who are highly educated, make more money, than than you do. But that don't change the roles in the family. Money don't establish who the head of the household is. God does. And fathers, you are the head of your household. You are the foundation to which that family is supposed to be built on. And if you put love on that foundation and show your children love, show your wife love, then they will be appreciated and they will appreciate you and i say this wish someone had told me this earlier that if you got daughters fathers they ought to see in you the type of man they want to marry and if you got sons they ought to see in you how they're supposed to treat a woman based upon how you treat their mama And so I talk to that generation now that's still in that part of their lives. It's not too late to get some of these things right and do things the way Jesus has laid out. And it starts with love. So, Father, I ask for you, I don't need you to swear by this or swear by this. Just say, I will do a better job at loving my family. Just that simple. That's all you got to say. I'm going to do a better job. And then start doing it. God will show you what you can do to be a better father to your children and a better husband to your wife. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every head bow and every eye close. Every head bow and every eye close. My first appeal to you online as well as in the church is for salvation. Jesus died just for you. He was showing love when he died on the cross. Showing us that he can love us in spite of. In spite of our sins, in spite of our flaws, he still loved us. And so I want to extend his love to you today and say if you, if you don't know him as the partner of your sin and you want to make him the Lord of your life, please raise your hand if you're in the house, if you're online. I just ask that you send us a message or give us a call at the number 850-862-3899. If the Lord is speaking to your heart at this time, please. Please, open your hearts up to receive what the Lord is trying to say. If you don't know him, you need him. Everybody needs to know who Jesus is for themselves. My second appeal, if you're looking for a church home and the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart, whether you're online or whether you're in the house today, please raise your hand. If you're online, just give us a call or send us an iMessage. If you're in the house, please raise your hand if you're looking for a church home. I see no hands. Then my final appeal is for just prayer, so if you will, just bow your heads while you're seated. Online, I just ask that you make your petition and your request known to God. Those of you at your seat in the house here, I just ask that you speak to God in your own way. The Bible says you can come boldly before the throne of grace in your time of mercy, in your time when, you're, in your time when you need mercy, or in your time of of need. And so we come boldly to him today. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we come to you and thank you for this day, another day that you prepared. And God, we will continue to rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you, God, for counting us worthy enough that you will send your son, Jesus Christ, to die just for us. And so, God, we uh, thank you for that. And we feel privileged that you would sacrifice him for us. And God, I just ask that you continue to lead us, continue to guide us, continue to speak to our hearts by your Spirit. Continue to let us meditate on some of these sayings that Jesus has been trying to teach us. And God, let them resonate in our hearts and in our minds and let us apply them in our daily living. I know some of these things are difficult in the times that we're living in, but I believe that Jesus is a a Savior for all seasons and all times. There's nothing new under the sun, so therefore, God, I believe that your truth will endure. And so I pray that you continue to speak to us by your word, by the truth of your word. Continue to soften our hearts up so that we can receive your word. God, not what someone else has to say about it, but God, what your word say for itself. Let us take it to our inwardmost most parts in our hearts. And then, God, let us stand on your word. As Jesus is going to preach at the end of this sermon, we need a solid foundation to build on. We need a foundation that can withstand racism, that can withstand the storms of life, that can withstand all the troubles that's going to come our way just because we're in this earth. We need a strong foundation. And God, I believe that foundation is your son, Jesus Christ. And so it's in his name that we always lift up. It's in his name that we pray, and in his name that we give all glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you will. Amen. Amen. All right. We got a couple of things we need to do today. Uh, first, uh, it's time for us to worship God through giving, through our giving. So if you are here and you need to tithe an envelope, I think everybody kind of know the drill now where the envelopes are. You can give on your way out. Uh, there are boxes stationed throughout the sanctuary uh, and out, out in the hallways. Also, if you're online and you want to give online, there are multiple ways you can do that. You can come through our RAM app, uh, uh, as well as text to give, PayPal, Eglin Federal Credit Union. uh, There are multiple ways that you can do that. And so we thank you in advance.